burning desire, big ideas, bold action. Welcome back to another segment of Boldly Now. My name is Rachel Morrison and today we are here with Michael Sean Conaway and Jason Silva. Jason is an amazing philosopher and deep-seated thinker and epic voice of our time, particularly around narratives that have to do with the experience of life, mental health, and all things pertaining to a quantum reality experience. Jason, thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, thank you for having me, and thank you for the warm welcome. I uh, appreciate being with you guys. So um, tell us a little bit about how um, this pandemic, you know, like what kind of crisis is it for people? Well, there's a great, uh, there's a great sentence, a phrase that my friend once articulated to describe what a personal crisis is or what an existential crisis is. He says, a personal crisis is when the story that you tell yourself about yourself is no longer convincing. And so I think this pandemic has shattered or punctured a lot of the reassuring narratives that we tell ourselves as a collective. You know, the, the, the notion of a society that's too big to fail, the idea that we are held safe by globalization, by countries, by culture, all of that is being shattered. The most powerful countries in the world brought to their knees people forced to stay indoors, things we take for granted, presuppositions, right? That we no longer question, like leaving our house and hugging our friends, all of those things called into question, all of those reassuring narratives and presuppositions of normality punctured and shattered has just basically hurled us into a state of existential disarray. It is an existential crisis and an existential meltdown and a kind of involuntary annihilation of our collective ego construct and it's petrifying and gnarly and that's why people say it's sort of involuntary shadow work because it has hurled us into a place where we have to question everything and that's not an that's not a comfortable thing and, and having to dwell on that and having to contemplate the death of everything you know is a sort of symbolic and 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 it, it's a sim. It's a kind of yeah. It's a symbolic death process. Tell me, Jason. So, what does that start again look like? You know, like what are some things that you're starting to see or feel around the edges of like, well, what what do we do? You know, like is it is it like is it different individual to individual? Is there some kind of societal move for, that's there for us to make? <sighs> you know, I I, I think that those of us who are in the position to be contemplating what this new world might look like are very privileged, right? We, we get to, we can afford to spend time thinking about these things, which is a luxury. So I think before we craft a new society, uh, we have to be like fair and pragmatic that those that, you know, live week to week and month to month and have lost their jobs, the 20, 30, 40 million people that want to get back to work. And like, before we build a new society, we've got to figure out 
you know, a way for these people to, to, to go back to work. So, you know, there's an element, not, I want to say like return to normal because I get it. Like, like normal wasn't all good for a, a great many of the people in the world. But, but I think that like at the very least we have to get past this very specific situation of this virus, right? And that once that is not like the top of mind element and, 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 and we can kind of pragmatically walk back towards like figuring out like basic wages and jobs and an economy that works for some people, then this larger conversation can be had. Like what has this virus taught us, you know, in what ways can society come together and change? You know, maybe it's, is it a world Congress that is created on the other side of this where, you know, the European union and the United States and Asia and everybody comes together and we forge this like, new kind of conversation, you know, on the other side of this nuclear winter um, where things actually happen. I mean, there was something like that, that happened after World War II, you know, where the world order was established. And so one of the unfortunate elements of riding this pandemic has been how little cooperation there's been across the world. You know, aside from scientists who are sharing information, and that's amazing, and aside from individuals and, and sort of collectives like these that are sharing information across the world, governments themselves haven't really been collaborating and cooperating. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's a travesty. And so I hope that on the other side of this, there is a, a, the, the will of the people, you know, there's popular pressure for some kind of meeting of the minds at a governmental level to forge some kind of like, okay, okay, world, where do we want to go from here? You know, and, and, and that's what I hope to see. And, and what about us on a, on a personal level? You know, like people are wanting, like, like so they've got free time now. Like, like, is there anything you could suggest that we do, research, learn, express? Is there anything out there, like, if you could give us just a, a word of direction, what would you say? Individually? Yeah. Just, how about me? <laughs> like, Jason, I'm like, I've, I've got time on my hands. You know, like, like what could I do to make a difference or, or, or have improve the lives of even just a small number of people around me? God. Well, the thing is, um, I have found that uh, obsessing about the crisis um, doesn't usually lead to any fruitful outcomes. It just it just paralyzes me and gets puts me in an anxious state, stuck in my head, ruminating about like what's going to happen and feeling claustrophobic and contracted and all of that. And I have actually found that. The, the best thing uh, you can do actually is remember what it feels like not to be scared. <laughs> and so that means like doing your best to like craft uh, extended durations of time in which you are not in anxiety, but instead in play. Mm -hmm. And whether that means like, you know what, like, you know, read a novel that has nothing to do with this pandemic and allow yourself to be transported, you know, like watch a magnificent film and like lose yourself in that movie. You know, if, if you have access to a psychedelic compound in a safe setting, like take a, take a trip, like astral travel, like get out of your head. Because I think that the, the extended duration of inhabiting anxiety is an illness too. And I think that like, we need to remember what it feels like 
to not be in an anxious state. And I think that's been my medicine because I have a, 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 an Achilles heel in the sense that like my mind loves nothing more than to be transported, you know, aesthetic experience, artistic endeavors. I like to be out of myself, but I can only do that if, if I feel that my body's safe, so to speak. And so if, if my mind is worried about my body, about my health, about the pandemic, then it's, 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 I become trapped in my fear and I'm not allowed to overcome myself, right? And so my advice to people is to try to intentionally create spaces where they can, you know, resurrect the feeling of play and resurrect the subjective experience of, of not thinking about the despair that is hovering over the cloud of humanity for the last couple of weeks. And, and maybe that sounds like I'm telling people just to practice escapism, but I actually think it's healthy to just like, let me put it this way. If I am staying, let's I'm staying in the countryside and if I'm taking a walk in nature, if I'm able to drop the thread of time, if I'm able to literally forget that this pandemic exists and spend, you know, five, six hours in nature, I, I tap into another reality right? A subjective reality that is not tethered to what's happening everywhere I can't control, but is only connected to what's happening here and now. And if here and now I am okay, then that's healing. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it's great. It's great. Go outside. (laughs) Watch a good movie, read a good book and walk away from the anxiety. Well, there's something to say about like just not taking yourself too seriously in some of the world's most serious moments actually allow the mind and and the spirit to breathe for a moment so that it can too have some space to find its next breath even if those pieces can't technically actually breathe there's a breath that wants to be taken yeah yeah i mean i just feel that because of the ever-present impact and and the pervasive presence of of social media uh, surrounding us and and the fact that this virus has taken over the feed it is the only thing that anyone has talked about for two months like it is at the omnipresent reality tunnel and lens of perception through which we see everything you wake up in the morning, what's going on in the pandemic? You're having lunch, what's up with the pandemic? And so uh, what I'm saying is that we have been hijacked and our experiential day-to-day reality is only concerning this pandemic. And what I'm inviting people to do is to temporarily free themselves from that. And because I just think otherwise, the despair is intolerable. And then from that space, we have a chance to create, to imagine and then. Sure, well, when you put aside anxiety, uh, unusual ideas might emerge. You know, you might connect, you you might have, you know, unusual insights that that, that converge and, and, and playful expressions that might come out. The point is, in a state of fight or flight, you are actually not very productive and you're actually not very creative and you're actually not very imaginative and it, it, and it's just, and it's not good for you physically. 
and and so yeah in a way it's like i think that that it's important to to take breaks from dwelling on this situation it's reminding me of a, a statement that a friend of mine jeff foster uh, had said once and he said imagine what it would be like to be looking out into a field of all of your broken dreams and expectations then and only then can you actually allow yourself to experience the true reality and experience of presence and be with life as it was actually meant to be and not what you expected it to be. Mm, mm. Well, that reminds me of Joseph Campbell when he said you must be willing to let go of the life you planned so that you can live the life that is waiting for you. Now, he typically says that in a, in a, in a, in a way that sounds like an inspirational slogan, you know, like take the hero's journey, let go of the life you plan so you can live the life that is waiting for you. But in this case, for many people, I think, is, you know, let go of the things you took for granted, let go of expectations and hopes and plans and, and you know, embrace what's actually happening. And this is the unknown unknown. This is the thing you didn't anticipate around the corner that is now here. And what are you going to do with that? And that's the sort of challenge for everyone. And I'm, I'm asking myself the question. I, I don't really know the answer, but if this is an existential crisis, you know, like where, where, you know, maybe at least there's been a death of the, the life, the life that I had, then, you know, obviously there's two ways to do that. You try to anesthetize yourself from feeling it, but is there another direction to go to really to, to embrace that? I mean, is there's an opportunity for us to have a, a bit of a transcendent moment with our own, death and plans in life. Not saying that's an easier or pain-free process, but is this a moment where we can look deeper? Well, for sure, because, you know, it, it, it's clinging to the shattered dreams or the expectations that we had that causes the suffering, right? The suffering comes from, from the dwelling and from the holding in mind that which one wanted and now has been pulled from underneath our feet to a certain degree. Um, but I guess once we find something else to engage us, some new project, a new vision, um, once we allow ourselves to be surprised and open to what's actually in front of us now, then that, if, it's, if, it, if we allow it to be completely absorbing, then the suffering is gone. The old plans dissipate. We're simply reacting in a deep state of presence to what's happening before us. Um, and that's a kind of resurrection, you know. It's the remembering that comes from the forgetting. I'm all for resurrection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hopefully we can get into all the, the collective remembering together so we know uh, what's yeah. on Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm really appreciative of you uh, sharing some of your thinking on this. I, you know, I think for many people, just having any kind of framework to consider what's going on and something that's a little bit more thoughtful than, you know, what normally shows up on Facebook is really helpful. And I think also just like, um, you know, I think we're all in this, you know, like uh, we're all in this boat together, you know, like, and, and we may all have different circumstances, but we're all struggling in a similar time. Yes. yes. And, and I also think that, you know, similar to the kind of ego death 
and resurrection and then integration that can come from a psychedelic experience um, is that during the, the, the struggle of an ego death, during the, the pain of, 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 a, of a difficult psychedelic experience, there's also a fear that it's, that it's never gonna pass, that it's never gonna end, right? Because time falls away. And so you're just, you're just in it and you're just like scared that, that it's not gonna go away. And so you have trouble letting go and just let, let it pass. This too shall pass. I think that similarly during this crisis, because time has become irrelevant during these two months, there's this gnawing anxiety that, okay, everything we know has been suspended and, and what's gonna happen. But I think that the pandemic obviously will pass. And you know, before we know it, we'll be on the other side of it. And so I think the bigger question you know, is what's gonna be the integration? You know, when things go back to normal, which to a certain degree they will, like, it's already happening. Many countries in Europe are already opening up. The spike has not come back. You know, like, like we're starting to get to the other side of this. And so a more interesting question is once you can go outside again and you have basic social distancing and you're going to work and things slowly go back to normal, what will be the lesson? What will be the integration? What will you carry with you once the shock, you know, once the, once the drug wears off? Because it will wear off, you know? And then are you just going to go back to your old ways or has, will this be some lasting lesson that again, will, will encourage us to take the steps necessary to create lasting change. If that's what we realize that we need to do, you know, the, and the reason I say that is because again, that the pandemic itself is the psychedelic trip that we didn't sign up for and, and it went bad and it went dark and most of us were in a state of despair disarray and kicking and screaming i mean very few people had a good trip this was a bad trip for everyone collectively but again when the trip when the drug wears off which it will the pandemic will end even the 1918 pandemic ended right and the vast majority of people are gonna physically survive it so then it's like what's gonna be the integration you know what will we what will we have learned what will we do with everything we went through emotionally, everything we metabolized, you know, psychologically, and how will that inform our actions moving forward on the other side of the storm? And, and only time will tell. Sure. And, yeah. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what our, that's what we all collectively and individually will be doing. I mean, that's, in yeah. fact, we've probably already started that. We've already probably of started course. the integration now and trying to of course. see how it fits and, and feels. And, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Jason, for spending some time with us today. For, You're uh, welcome. I, I hope, uh, I hope you have been of some, of some use to you guys with my reflections today. Uh, you know, we, we, we have, um, you know, like not all of us reflect at the same depth that you do. And so oh. it's, it's helpful. And, you know, I think uh, just even be able to share like in an authentic way, like what's going on with you gives people a better capacity to deal with what's going on with them. And, you know, it's like us, yeah. in, us in it together, not in essence it together. And, you know, I think, you know, you've been on TV, you know what it's like to be in a high production environment. And, you know, this yeah. is not that. And it's not time for that. This is really time for just us being human together. And I, I think. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And, and I also, you know, I just, I, I, I I mean, this has been dark and unforeseen and massively disruptive. Uh, but, 
but also like disruption is what catalyzes transformation. You know, I mean, when you see the inaction around climate change in a, in a real way, it's because climate change is mostly an abstraction, right? It's this thing that's going to happen and the scientists are telling it to us, but like nobody, at least not in a mainstream way, nobody's life has really been affected yet to the point that, you know, that it has led to transformation. But in a way, this, this pandemic is an experience of what happens when everything is massively disruptive, disrupted that potentially can help us appreciate what people are talking about when they talk about climate change. Because now we have a better idea of what it's like for our entire world to be disrupted temporarily this time right but but enough to have like give us a the 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 necessary scare or the necessary jolt that might lead to action um at the same time i i'm not a doom and gloom guy and i think that the, that the media is incentivized to just perpetuate panic porn i have spent a lot of time during this pandemic focused also on silver linings and 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 looking at contrarian arguments and and trying to tread a path that is not all about saying you see you see the world is over we're all gonna die like that's it like whoa 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 like a lot to learn here for sure but like this is is not i think the apocalypse Mm. and again the vast majority of the people who get this illness will be fine and so a lot to learn, but, but, but it's just, I, I don't want to see us like embrace this idea that we're on our knees forever. Yeah. Like we were humbled deeply and now we come out on the other side and hopefully lessons learned, craft a better world. From your lips, may it be so. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Appreciate it. You Take care, brother. Cheers. The Boldly Now Show, igniting the world of burning desire, big ideas, and bold action. Be sure to download Boldly You in the App Store, Google Play, or online at bold.ly forward slash Y-O-U. Boldly You is an app and learning platform igniting your burning desire, big ideas, and bold action, generating a future for a thriving humanity.